All right, we're continuing in uh, looking at the last words that Jesus spoke uh, when he was on the cross. And uh, today we take a look at the sixth word uh, that he spoke. And um, it's obviously uh, the sixth word, and it comes right after the fifth word. And it really does come right after the fifth word. And the fifth word is what we looked at uh, last week. So if you look at... uh, John uh, 19, and guys, can you get me going up there? For some reason I'm not clicking. There we go. You look at John 19, you remember last week we looked at that fifth word, and it was the I am thirsty uh, experience, and we uh, looked at how that was fulfilling scripture and fulfilling prophecy and, you know, knowing everything was complete, and it starts out that way. Uh, later, Jesus knew everything that had now been finished, he also knew what the scripture said. It's got to come true. So he said, I'm thirsty. They did the wine, put it to his lips. And then in verse 30, after Jesus drank, he said, it is finished. It is finished. That's what we look at today. Uh, it is finished. And the trouble for us, of course, is uh, looking at that phrase and trying to figure out, well, uh, what does he mean by that? I mean, what does it mean for Jesus to say, uh, it is finished? On the surface, we could look at it and just say, well, you know, good. The, the pain is over. The suffering is over. The trial is over. You know, it's finally, you know, the guy's going to get some relief because it's, it's over and it's finished. And we could kind of do that and it'd be true, right? I mean, that'd be true be the way it is. You know, his suffering is finally complete. Uh, but if we did that, we would miss really the, the fullness of what, he's mean, what he means when he says, this one word. Uh, we translate it three words. It is finished. But it really is just simply one word. He utters one word, finished. Uh, in the Greek, that word is, guys, you're going to have to help me because my clicker is not a clicking. There it is. In the Greek, it is uh, tetelesti. It means to end, to complete, to execute, to conclude. And it, once again, is in the perfect tense. And remember, we looked at the perfect tense before. And the perfect tense is about something that happens here, but the effects of that transfer on into the future on a continuing basis. So whatever he ended, completed, executed, and concluded, while it it happened here, nevertheless, the results of it continue uh, moving forward. And they continue on. Uh, to this day. So he utters this one word and says it's complete, it's executed, it's concluded, and the effects of it still translate to today. Now to understand what he means when he says this one word, the best way we can do that is to look at the way the word was used in the context of Jesus's culture. And there were really uh, four places, four uh, kinds of uh, uh, people that often used this word to the last day, okay? And they were a slave or a servant, a merchant, a priest, or a warrior. Slave, servant, merchant, priest, warrior. So what we're going to do is look at each one of those experiences and try to understand from each one of those, the way it was used, what does it mean for Jesus now? to use this phrase, right? So let's go ahead. First, the slave and the servant. Uh, It means uh, 
the slave and the servant, he'd be given a task by the master, uh, and then when he had completed the task, when he'd brought it to completion, he would go back to the master and he would say, Master, listen, I've completed it. I've finished the task and I did it just the way you told me to do it. It is all done. It is a done deal. Finished. Okay? So, Master, I listened to you. I did what you told me to do. I did it exactly the way you told me to do it. And now it is finished. And that's what Jesus means. Right? We can see in John 6. And remember, John 6, 6th chapter of John. So it's early. Right? It's not late. It's early in his ministry. And he understands early on what he is about. Right? So you look at John 6 and it says... Jesus says, I have not come down from heaven to do what I want to do. I've come to do what the one who sent me wants me to do. Did he come to do what he wanted to do or what the Father wanted him to do? He came to do what the Father wanted him to do, right? So he understands from the beginning, early on, that he is sent and he has a task and the Master has commissioned him and he is here to do what the master wants him to do, and how the master wants him to do it, right? And this happens in John 6. If you go to the next slide, you can look at John 4, which is even earlier. John 4, Jesus said, My food is to do what my Father sent me to do. My food is to, say it with me, finish the work, right? Finish his work, right? Does Jesus understand from early on that he is the slave, the servant of the Father, and that he is here to do something, and he's here to do it the way the Father wants him to do it. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And so he's on the cross. When he's on the cross and he's breathing his his last, he can look at his life, he can look at what he did, and he can say, Tedeleste, it is finished. I did it. I did exactly what God wanted me to do. My life, I used my life exactly the way God wanted me to. I did what God wanted me to do with my life. I made a difference the way God designed me to make it. I have fulfilled the the assignment that the Master has given me. It is finished. Wouldn't it be awesome to end your life and say the same thing? Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to to come to the conclusion of your life and be able to look back over your life and be able to say, it is finished. I did just what God wanted me to do. I did it just the way God wanted me to do it. Wouldn't it be great to look back over your life and be able to say, my life was about something. My life meant an eternal difference. Teleste. It is finished difficulty for us is not many of us get to say that, right? Because we mess life up too often. We, we get involved in things that just take life in a different direction than the way God wants us to go. And so we look at the next character, right? Go ahead, guys. Advance me, will you? My clicker is not clicking, so you're going to have to walk me through. All right? The next one is the merchant, right? The next guy is the merchant. And, and the merchant used this term whenever something was paid in full, right? So he'd sell something, and the person would owe him for it. And, and whenever the, the person would finally pay the last payment, right, then the merchant would stamp it, boom, uh, paid in full, right? 
I don't know about you, I graduated from uh, college and I graduated from seminary. And one of the things I achieved in that process was mounting up a good measure of debt. Right? Anybody else in the room? Amen. I got at least a few people, right? Yeah. Managed to mount up some good debt. And uh, I don't know about you, but I took the 10-year plan to, to pay that back, right? So every month for 10 years, I kept sending off a check. Every month for 10 years, I just kept sending off a check, paying that debt. I got to my last check. I got in my car. I threw the family in the car. Even though we lived in Wisconsin, I drove down to Belvedere, Illinois. I walked in the front door of Belvedere State Bank, check in hand, and I just wanted to walk up to that teller and put the last check down on that counter and watch them stamp it. What? Paid in full. (laughs) Whoa! That was awesome good, huh? Paid in full. It's just what he did. It's just what he did. The debt that you and I could never pay. He paid in full. The debt you and I could never cover. He paid in full. Look at Mark 10. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Instead, He came to serve others. He came to give His life as the price for setting you free. Paid in full. Paid in full. Or you look at the next text, Colossians 2, and we're going to look at Colossians 2 a lot today. Colossians 2, great verse, powerful verse. Look what it says. At one time you were dead in your sins, your desires controlled by sin were not circumcised. So you're living it your way, doing it your way, right? Not, not like the servant saying, hey, I did it your way, master, it's all complete. No, living your way, doing your way, living according to your desires and your wants, right? He says, that's the way you were, and you were dead in doing that. But look at the next one. But God gave you new life together with Christ. How did he give us new life? How did he do that? Answer, he forgave us all of our sins. Paid in full. Stamped. Paid in full. What we couldn't do. He went ahead and did for us. What we couldn't achieve, He went ahead and achieved for us. Stamped. Paid in full. And we can live a new life. It means that whatever guilt you have, whatever shame you have, whatever stuff that's going on in your life that uh, you've been carrying for a long time, you can let go of it. Why? Because of the last part. The last part says it was He forgave us. How did He do that? He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. We let go of all that stuff because the debt's been paid. We let go because it's been stamped, paid in full. And we can live under a life of grace and a life of forgiveness and the possibility of living a different kind of life so we can end our life and go to the Master and say, listen, through Jesus, I did it your way. I did what you wanted me to do. Should you go to the next one, guys? How can we make that possible? We make that possible because of that, the next character. The next character that used this word is the priest. And it was the priest at the temple. 
The priest of the temple would use this word whenever uh, someone would bring him a lamb that was to be sacrificed on the altar. So the person would bring the lamb, he would give it over to the priest, and the priest would, cons- would spend a considerable amount of time examining the lamb, right? He would look at its teeth, he'd look at its eyes, he'd check out its ears, he'd look at all its coat, he'd look at, it ho- at its hooves, he'd look this thing all over. Why? To make sure it was absolutely perfect. Make sure it was absolutely perfect. And once he looked over the lamb, once he checked it all out, and he looked it over, he would finally say, Tadaleste, it is finished. Perfect. This one is perfect. This one is absolutely worthy of sacrifice. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is perfect. When you and I aren't, he is. Look at uh, Matthew 5. He says, Do not think I have come to get rid of what is written in the law or in the prophets. I have not come to do this. Instead, I have come to fulfill what is written. He could do what you and I can never do. Perfectly fulfill the law in the will of the Father. I don't know about you, but I don't know how you're doing on those Ten Commandment things. Right? But... Personally, I don't get past number one, right? I I don't get past number one because I'm just not perfect. I keep trying to convince my wife I am, but that's not working either, right? It's just not because I'm not, right? But he is. And because he is, I can live under his grace. I can live under his forgiveness because he did what I cannot do. He perfectly fulfilled the will of the Father. Go to the next one. You look at Colossians 2 again, in this verse, powerful verse, there you go again. We looked at 13, right? But he gave us new life together with Christ. He forgave our sins. Now look at 14. 14 says, he wiped out what the law said that we owed. The law stood against us. It judged us. But he has taken it away and done what? Say it with me. Nailed it to the cross. He did. He was what I could never be. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect lamb. And because of that, he gives me the opportunity to go ahead and come to him and rely on him and have the opportunity to have a different kind of life. Teleste. It's finished. He's the perfect one. Go ahead, guys. If you look at John 10... That's what he tells us. Because of this, he tells us, you and I can have a different kind of life. He says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life. I want them to have it in the fullest possible way. Does he want your life to just be some regular old life? No, he wants you to get to the end of life and be able to say what? To the last day, it is finished. I did it the way God wanted me to do it. And he gives us the grace, the forgiveness to be able to do it. What we can't do, He has already done for us. Where does it lead us? Next one. It leads us to the final word. The final place where that word was used was used by the warrior. And the warrior used that word to say, victory is ours. So what happened is the warrior would watch the battle going on and eventually, even before the battle was done, he would go to the general and he would say, We got it in the bag. 
victory is ours, right? It's kind of like uh, the Wisconsin game yesterday. Did you watch the game? You know, first half, not so much, right? Not so much victory going on in the first half. But in the second half, by the time you got halfway through the second half, what were you feeling and thinking? We got it. <laughs> we got it, right? So by the end of the game, the guy's just kind of standing there dribbling the ball, right? Get this thing done. We got like 20 seconds to go. Let's just get her done, right? What do we know? Victory's already there. Victory's already there. Jesus says to the last day, it is finished. He's making a proclamation of victory. He's saying, listen, you don't have to live a regular old life. Why? Because he's the perfect land and he's fulfilled the law. He's paid the price, the debt that, that you owed, he paid. Your life can be absolutely different. You can take all that stuff and you can give it to him. And he has the power to make your life absolutely different because he's already won the victory. Remember, it was perfect tense. What he did back here applies to us way out here. The victory is already won. Look at John 12. John 12 says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Does he want your life in the dark? Victory's already won. We can live in the light. Victory's already won. Look at the next verse. Hebrews 2 says, because, God, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. The last day. It is finished. Victory's already won. Easter is a sure thing. You don't have to live in fear anymore. You don't have to live in guilt anymore. You don't have to live in doubt anymore. To the last day, it's finished. It's done. Your life can be different. Whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever challenge you're facing, He is the warrior who can bring victory into your life. Let's go back to Colossians 2 one more time, okay? Colossians 2, one more time. Remember all that stuff we did before in 13 and 14? Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, He took away the weapons of the powers and authorities. He made a public show of them. What did he do? He won the battle over them by dying on the cross. Celeste, it's finished. It's a done deal. Victory is ours. Our lives can be different because of this word Jesus speaks, because of what he accomplished for us. So where does that leave us? Next one. Where does that leave us? It leaves us with a huge question over our lives, right? We circle back to where we started. Being able to end our lives and being able to say it is finished. Being able to say it is finished. That our lives meant something, did something greater than ourselves, just like Jesus did. So we got to ask the questions. We've got to ask the questions. What is the unfinished work in your life? What's the unfinished work? What, what is it that God is putting on your heart and into your life as the master that is saying, look, I want you to do this. Here's how I want you to do it. But you're putting it off. You're pushing it aside. 
What, what is it that he's saying, listen, servant, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. But you're just unwilling to listen at this point. What is it that is unfinished business? Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 8 there. Back to the first one. 2 Corinthians 8 says, So finish the work. What does he want you to do? Finish the work. Right? Finish the work. So finish the work. Then your desire to do it will be matched by your finishing it. Subnote. This, this text, 2 Corinthians 8, actually comes out of a whole section in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 where Jesus talks about generosity and tithing. Some of you aren't finishing the work. You just need to get to it. You need to get busy. Start finishing the work. Look at the next one. Philippians 1 says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished. On the day when Jesus Christ returns, what is it? What's the unfinished business? What's the unfinished business that you need to come to him and let go of so he can stamp it paid in full? What's the unfinished business? What is the guilt or the shame, the darkness that you're holding on to that you just need to let go of so he can stamp it paid in full? You don't owe it anymore. You don't have to carry it anymore. It's not yours anymore. Finish the work. Finish the work. Or what is it that you're unwilling to let go of in your life? What is that imperfect thing? Right? What is that imperfect thing in your life? That imperfect behavior that's got a hold of you that you just need to be able to say, listen, I need to let go of that. I got to finish it. I got to get that out of my life. I got to draw a line. I got to say, I'm done with that. It's finished. And be able to let it go. Because he was the perfect lamb. And he wants your life to be the same. What is it that is your unfinished business? Go ahead, guys. If you look at Acts 20, Paul says, But my life, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for doing what? For finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. How awesome would it be to be able to come to the end of your life and be able to say, It is finished. But let's say, It is finished. That I lived my life the way the Master wanted me to live, and I did it the way He wanted me to do it. To be able to receive the paid in full, to be able to receive. The forgiveness that makes our life perfect even though they haven't been. And to be able to know the victory. Be able to know the victory of what it means to let Jesus Christ take control of our lives. Wouldn't you like to get to the finish line and be able to say, it is finished? Look at the last one, guys. Get to the finish line and be able to say, finished. Finished. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and uh, we know that Jesus uttered that one word. And in that word, there was so much that he was accomplishing for us. He paid the price, paid in full, so we can be forgiven. He was perfect when we're not, so that our lives can change. And he gives us the possibility to live in victory.
and to be able to be the people that uh, the Father would choose us to be and to live our ways, our lives the way the Father would choose us to have it lived. So, Lord, we come to you today in humbleness and in brokenness, and we ask for that grace and that forgiveness. And we ask you to empower us to be your people in this time and place. Let what took place way long ago apply into our lives right now so that the end of our days, when we too breathe our last, we can say the same word, that we can say, it is finished. And for now, in this time, Lord, we come to you and we say and we pray the same words Jesus taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.